0: Have you ever had a boss who didn't like you? If anything went wrong, you were the first person they blamed. Nothing you ever did was good enough. They didn't see your full potential or value. How did they look at you when you arrived for work each day? Now hold on to that feeling for a moment. Now let's compare it to having a good boss. These people are eager to support you to meet your full potential. A good boss is excited to see you, and that relationship makes you want to come to work each day and give it your best. They make you feel psychologically safe when something goes wrong and partners with you to make a situation better. Now hold on to that feeling for a moment. Hi, my name is Dr. Angela Alexander and I'm a doctor of audiology. You are listening to the Between Two Ears podcast, where I talk about listening and hearing disorders in ways you may have not previously considered. When a child doesn't appear to be listening, many adults may assume that the child doesn't care, doesn't wanna pay attention, or has an issue with behavior or intelligence. However, there's a common disorder that most people don't know about, which could mean that no matter how hard this child tries to listen, auditory information may not be recognized or remembered. This difficulty is called auditory processing disorder. It's a hearing difficulty that has more to do with the brain and less to do with the ears. In this episode, we will look at listening in the classroom from the perspective of a woman with severe auditory processing disorder. She has given me permission to share her insights with you. She is about to start her teaching license And is about to have classrooms of her own. At the end of this episode, I'll give a specific plan on helping children listen better in school and offer straightforward, low-cost suggestions that can be implemented in any classroom immediately.
1: I didn't even know that it would be auditory processing. I thought there was a legitimate hearing loss, like medical inner ear damage, because of how often I wouldn't hear things and how often I would mishear things or how often I would hear things out of order or how often I would hear only half the words. So I went and on a physical, I asked while I was there, just for fun, let's do a hearing test. And they did it and they said, oh, it was perfect. Nothing's wrong. And I walked out of the doctor's office crying because I felt like so confused and so lost and I felt so disappointed that I didn't get any answers. I've always done stellar on hearing tests, like tone tests and like where you go into the sound booth. I always did great on those, but like in practical settings, I can't hear anything. (laughs) So I didn't know that it was neurological and I didn't know it was a processing issue.
0: Experts agree that five to 15% of the population likely struggle with this to the point where it affects their day-to-day lives. That means that in a classroom with 30 children, one to five likely experience APD. What does it look like? See if any of these characteristics remind you of someone. Number one, they need things to be repeated and often say, huh, or what?
1: I have been a serial lyric killer since I was young. Oh my gosh, one of my mom's favorite things of all time. Um, I heard a Beyonce song and I thought it was saying, oh, the scenery, oh, the scenery. <laughs> And I was 11, thinking it was oh, the scenery. And she's like, what the hell are you saying?
0: Number two, they have trouble remembering instructions.
1: When I was in second grade, I had this teacher who didn't like me since the first day of school. And the second day of school, I came home crying. And my mom was like, what's wrong? What's going on? And um, because we had gotten this agenda, and I never had one before, and I didn't know the rules. And we were supposed to bring it home and have her parents sign it every day. And I just, I forgot because she just said it once at the beginning of the day. And then I got home and I didn't remember.
0: Number three, they struggle to hear in background noise.
1: I find restaurants are one of the hardest places to be. Just because there's the noise of dishes clattering when they get bust. There's the noise of people coming in and out of the kitchen, people of the door on the bell, people of sound of people talking, sound of menus rustling, and sound of people walking back and forth. So. Restaurants are definitely, I think, top three hardest places to hear.
0: Number four, some even have difficulties learning to read and spell. These are just a few of the main reasons children are referred for testing. When I see these kids for an evaluation, many of them look like the world is swirling around them. They look lost. Some might say they look blank or daydreaming, and others might confuse this for shyness. Some children may struggle with auditory processing difficulties from birth. Others may acquire it over time after multiple ear infections, traumatic brain injury, or alongside any type of neurodivergence such as autism, ADHD, or dyslexia. We have tests that can identify children with auditory skill deficits from three and a half years of age. A researcher has found ways to test this neurologically at birth, and early intervention is the way of the future. The best news is that auditory processing disorder is treatable. While hearing loss and APD are not the same things, the things that help people with processing problems will also be helpful for kids who have hearing loss. It is also possible for a person to have hearing loss and processing difficulties.
1: So I came home crying the next day from school. And she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, she's going to make me sit in the back of of the room by myself. And I'm not going to have any friends. And she got like really angry. And she actually like yelled at me for the whole class over it, which was really embarrassing. And that whole year, she just kept isolating me more and more. Looking back on that now, it's like, how could you bully a kid like that? She got mad at how quickly I picked up like the ASL version of America, the beautiful that we were doing. And it was like, I couldn't win with her. Like I kept showing how smart I was and like how much I liked learning and how how much I liked school. And she kept beating it down every time I tried to show her that.
0: So what's the best way to help kids listen better in school? I'm going to provide two different lists. One is a list for parents and another is a list for teachers. First, if you're a parent. Step one, we need to make sure your child's auditory system is working effectively. We need to get a diagnostic hearing test by a pediatric audiologist. Step two, if the hearing test doesn't fully explain what you're noticing, go to APDSupport.com, that's A as in Apple, P as in Paul, D as in Delta, support.com, to check out our online searchable map Because only specialized audiologists can diagnose APD and there are only about 400 of these listed worldwide. A lot of people might believe that the next step might be to tell the child to advocate for themselves. Speak up if you didn't hear something correctly. But how many adults do you know who can do this effectively? Alright, maybe let's ask you. When was the last time you had a miscommunication? Maybe someone asked you a question and you didn't hear it. Did you ask the person to repeat the question or did you just answer what you thought you had heard? It's interesting sometimes when we expect more from children than we expect from ourselves. While it seems like the key here in helping a child hear better in school would be within the child, it is more likely that we need to give them support as teachers parents, and coaches to ensure that they have the best chance to understand what we have to say.
1: I owed such a big part of it to my history teachers at high school. They were some of the best teachers I had ever had. Whenever I had a problem or whenever I didn't understand anything, they went out of their way to like say it over and over and over again. And they gave me resources. They gave me videos to help me remember it better they gave me extra time before and after school because they saw how much i loved it and they didn't want me to lose that and i don't think a lot of people realize how much that extra energy means and i feel like if i could continue that same tradition of seeking out a love of learning then it could help so many people And I feel like that's really what I'm meant to do.
0: In order to come up with some suggestions, I decided to ask real parents of children with auditory processing disorder to tell me things they had seen a teacher do that had been really successful. And I'm going to give you a few sound bites here before providing you with another list of things that you can provide a teacher. Listen to these 10 tips. My child loves teachers who
1: make learning fun and engaging. My child's teacher compliments him every time she notices he does something that's hard for him. She celebrates with him. I appreciate a teacher that doesn't always base rewards on the quickest correct answer, or holds contests that rely on time responses or fastest completion of work. Our kid's teacher was really good at making sure children only spoke one at a time during Zoom classes online school was a lifesaver for us when teachers are patient about having to repeat themselves
0: give my kid a listening buddy in class where they don't get in trouble for talking if they need extra clarification on instructions
1: my child's teacher always turns on subtitles when they watch videos and it's real helpful when a teacher is aware of their rate of speech it's easy for them to forget that what they are saying is new for children and to speak too quickly. Slower can be better sometimes. During in-person classes, the teacher was really good at noticing sources of noise in the classroom and making them quieter or moving them altogether. For example, she put little chair socks on each leg of the chairs so they didn't make noise when they were
0: moved across the floor. And last but not least.
1: I wish my kid's teacher understood that APD is a legitimate difficulty. I think that it is important to ha- let kids have some degree of freedom in their life, but at the same time, you are their parent. Letting your kid go out into the world and be essentially co-parented by up to nine people that you don't know is, I can imagine it's being so terrifying. Because at the end of the day, that's what teachers are. They are basically co-parenting your kids. And so for those nine hours a day, five days a week, when you're not with them, they are. And so you have to know who those people are.
0: I'd like to end with giving you three things that we should remove from our day-to-day language to be more accessible and understanding of children with APD. The first one, instead of saying, I'll only tell you this once, maybe you could say, do you need me to say that again in another way? Or... Would you like me to show you what I mean? Here's another one. Instead of saying, you aren't listening, which reinforces the narrative that children with hearing difficulties are poorly behaved, maybe you could make sure you have the child's attention before speaking by getting on their level and being aware of background noise. Here's another idea. Instead of saying, use your words, I'm not sure any child has actually responded to that thinking, Hadn't even thought about it. My words. Huh, amazing. You instead could ask, can I help you figure out what you're needing right now? Now think back to that analogy that I used at the very beginning of this podcast. The difference between being a good boss and being a bad boss is as simple as a shift in mindset, but the resulting product and experience is completely different. To be a good teacher, you must be a good boss. The greatest factor in success for a child with auditory processing disorder is the attitude and understanding of their teachers and caretakers. And listening to this podcast is a great step in the right direction. I feel so lucky to have been able to talk with this woman that you've heard interviewed through this podcast, and she's just embarked on three months of auditory training with me to improve her auditory processing abilities and I want to thank her for her ability to just be really open and honest with me about her experiences in school and how auditory processing affected her. She was just diagnosed with this right before the pandemic by another audiologist and now I get to walk that journey with her to see how her life might improve from here and also what she can do to help students in her future classrooms.
1: It felt like I was living in a different world after that. It really did because I had a name to put to the feeling I was having. And I had a name to put to the situation I was going through every day. And knowing what it was made me so much more conscious of it. So even though it hasn't technically gotten better, I feel like it has in the past year, just because I know what it is and I know what to look for. It makes me want to seek that treatment just because I feel like, I don't feel like it's damaging my life, like actual damage. I feel like it's causing frustration and causing so much time wasted. But I want to be able to go into things a little more confident that I'm not going to come across as ditzy just because I commit the sin of hearing something wrong.
0: You've been listening to the Between Two Ears podcast with Dr. Angela Lox alexander To download lists of things you can do to support people with APD or to find a specialized professional in your area, head to the free resources link and APD map on our website, apdsupport.com. And as always, thanks for listening.